And as a big hello to everybody out there, you're listening up to the Step Outside podcast. I'm sorry, I don't have any music for you for the intro this morning because we are down at the Sydney International Boat Show. And that means the week previous to this show was our Step Outside program on using banana prawns for fish. And I've got our guest with us this morning, Shane Roberts. Hello, mate. G'day, young birdie. How are you doing today? I'm all right, thank you, mate. Uh, not a bad outlook from here, looking straight across the Cockle Bay Marina. I'll picture uh, this for everybody out there. Beautiful boats. And of course, you've got the ICC loaded with free halls of fantastic boating and marine equipment for people to check on out. Mate, um, We've had a wild run of weather over the past year, and of course that's brought in a lot of different marine species. We've seen a great run of mud crabs along the eastern seaboard, particularly in the tropics, all the flush uh, being pushing mm. out there for the uh, for the crabs to move around in. And of course that flush has also brought a lot of other different species out. Prawns the fresh, we're talking about, aren't we? We are talking prawns. Beautiful. It's a one. It's a it's a creature that a lot of people will eat. I love to eat prawns, but <laughs> not many people. I guess, would think about putting a hook in the tail end of a prawn. That's right. They wouldn't either. Not even a live one. (laughs) No, and not even a prawn that is generally the size of a banana. And we are talking about banana prawns. Now, if you saw our show recently, uh, we were using the banana prawns. We went out there, we cast net. In Queensland, you're allowed to use cast nets. And, of course, with that, you're allowed to go out there and cast a 10-litre bucket full per person. A maximum of two buckets per boat. That means right. you've got to have a minimum of two people. If you have three that's or four it. people, it's still two bucket fulls. Two buckets, that's it, yes. And at times, you could probably get a 10-litre bucket full in one hit. I've seen it so thick where the nets come up like a soccer ball. Unfortunately, in New South Wales, they can't use cast nets. No, right. I'm sorry, guys, but... That's the way it is. We're lucky in Queensland sometimes. It's the way it rolls, exactly. <laughs> you're, not, you're not wrong there, mate. But when you are using these prawns, it's about mm. location, putting them out in the right spot. Because you could cast a prawn out and you think yeah. anything's going to eat it. But when you cast a prawn out, you've got to work out location. Tell me about some of the locations that you would drop a prawn down. So for our listeners out there going, okay, I'm going to give this a crack. Even if they're in New South Wales or wherever they are, they can still spotlight for prawns. They don't have to use a car stamp because they can't for legality reasons, but you can spotlight for prawns. So they can still go out there, catch shrimp, catch greasy prawns or any other particular species in their neck of the woods and put them out live. What is an area that you would like to suggest to go and drop a prawn around that might result in a good hookup? Okay. With uh, you on a boat, if you're on a boat, you've got your hands on a kayak or a boat, I would look for, say, you're chasing flathead. Yeah. I'd look for something that's got a little bit of a, a weedy, sandy bottom. Right. With a few rocks around it. Yep. And then even if it's around or a metre and a half deep, just a live prawn, um, hook through the tail. Yep. Not through the head. Would you please? go? No, not through the head. Would you go? Okay. Good question. I think. Yeah. Would you go hook from underneath the prawn so the hook is coming out through the top of the tail, or would you go from the top down to the base? I actually through the top of the tail, coming out through the top of the tail is the way I like to do it. Yeah. That way it's flicking. Yep. And it's not going to get hooked up on the weedy bottom or a rock or something like. That, and it'll actually use its tail to move away. Yep. From um, the predator. That's right, that's coming in. Mm. Uh, and that's a really, really good uh, you know, answer to give on that one because you've got to think about soft plastic lures. So for that's our right. friends out there who are listening, when you are using a, a, a you know, whether it's a squidgy prawn or a gulp shrimp any, or anything yeah, like that, the hook prawn. 
comes out of the top of the lure That's for right. that reason. Yes, Otherwise, that. you're going to get caught up. That's right. Yeah, their heads are going to be facing down and they're yep. going to flick away Correct. from anything. So. That's coming in. Mm. Mate, um, so hook size, if we're going in for, uh, say, you know, some of the banana prawns we're using on the show, man, you know, it was cringeworthy because I'm looking at this thing and, oh, my God, that's a sandwich in that thing. You know, it was, it was quite large. <laughs> oh, nice. But when you are using a prawn that's, say, anything from two inches up to, you know, six inches long, I guess the hook size has got to be adequate enough to... To, to hook the fish you're targeting to start That's with, it, but yes. also not overweighty on the actual prawn, otherwise you're going to anchor him to the bottom. You don't really want to do that, do you? No, don't anchor them to the bottom. So a very light lead, if yeah. lead, if any lead at all, really, because mm-hmm. a prawn will actually go down and then use its yeah. um, movement to get away, Yeah, and that will trigger attacks. A good size uh, split shot would be ideal. I love using yes, split, split shots, shot, and I think yeah. people who listen to our show... Uh, understand that a size two split shot is something that I use a lot. I keep hundreds of those things on the boat mm. and at home in the in the office because it's a it's a sized weight that you can just put a couple of inches above the hook. Don't put it right on the hook, everyone. Put it just above the hook. Mm. And uh, whether you're using a hardy head or a herring or a potty mullet, wherever you are around the country, is that it's just enough weight to get that bait to the bottom, but also enough weight that's going to be light enough for the fish or the prawn, in this case, to scoot away. That's it, yeah. yeah. Tidal, tidal changes. I mean, is that something people, you know, they're, they're jotting this down, they're going, right, I've got the hook size, you know, I'm going to use the size that's going to be adequate enough for the bait, whether it's a 1.0, 2.0, 4.0 yeah. or a 6.0. Uh, mate, when it comes down to, you know, the, the gear that you want to run, what are we going to hook for like if say a jewfish we'd want to go a heavier rod wouldn't we that's right um okay for let's go let's go for a bread and butter species of flathead white and brim flathead no because yep. that's yeah what was on the show yeah catching flathead. correct um so i'd be looking for something in the two to four yeah range seven foot rod for a boat yep um maybe a little bit bigger off the beach right uh, so you can get that little longer cast out a little bit more of a flick uh line class uh, three kilo tops. Braid. Braid. I love braid. Braid's I love braid. Yeah. Well, you know, I still get a lot of people asking me about whether you choose braid or mono. Yeah. And, and yeah, it's surprising because braid is such a, uh, I guess it's a, it's an industry leader. When you walk it into is. a store, you see so much braid, so many different varieties mm. and brands of braid. But I also understand that too. There's a lot of people getting into fishing, which is so cool. And that's what our show is designed for people mm. to help you guys along and, and point you in the right direction. Because it can be really scary and daunting. And even I find at times walking in, you're <laughs> yeah. thinking, okay, I've got to look for this. And I look at it and I go, wow, and I get sidetracked. And I go and buy a lure that is not going to be exactly what I want. But, you know, it, it happens to, it happens it to everybody. Yes. So when we are talking about braid and monofilament, for, for those out there listening, braid is a non-stretch fishing line. It's like a very supple, pliable wire. There is no stretch. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course, fishing line monofilament has a lot of stretch. When you push it together, there's always a memory, it twists. Um, so, you know, having the, uh, I guess, braid allows the bites to be generated up through the rod to your fingertip that's, straight away. So you can even right. feel the, the prawn flicking. flicking. Yes, that's right, that's right, yes. So if there's a bigger fish coming in, you can determine whether there's something coming towards your prawn because the prawn is getting agitated, right? That's right, yeah. And also braid is a lot stronger than normally, sorry, normally a lot stronger than what it actually is. Correct. So you you have that leeway 
with mm. a lot of things. So you can actually put a little bit more hurt on it. Yeah. And it's really the leader that you're using is going to be the part that snaps. That's the next part of this equation is if you're running, say, a 10-pound braid, and this is the other thing too mm-hmm. for everybody before we get into this, is that your braid thickness mm. is a quarter of what it is for monofilament. That's so 15-pound right. mono uh, and 15-pound braid, the 15-pound braid will, will feel as thin as two-pound fishing line. That's right, yes. Super thin. So you've got no drag in the water with the no. current running. Yeah. So you can actually use lighter lead again. Yeah. Which is great. When it comes down to your leader, uh, obviously I like to use fluorocarbon. Fluorocarbon all the way, yep. Why? Basically fish can't see it. Yeah. It's, it's, very, it's very invisible in the water. And highly non-abrasive. And yes, it's a little tougher than mono. Yeah, so if, if you're fishing around rocks, for example, and you've got your prawn out there or on the edge of, um, you know, it could be oysters or anything like that because you mm. get your brim and flatties living at the base of all these, um, all these right, yeah. you know, little rocky outcrops, is that if a tenter or a mangrove jack or a cod decides to come out and eat your bait, is if he <laughs> booms back in, and we've had it happen to us yes. so many times, particularly if you're catching snapper, is that when you pull them back, you know, sometimes you're getting them out of the out of the rocks or out of the kelp, or whatever, and all of your your fluorocarbon leader is totally fray. That's right. From yeah. the hook up to you know where where your leader joins your. Well, brain. also um, on the scales too, mm. it gets frayed. Yeah. So yeah. a little bit tougher mm. um, in the outside coating of uh, monofilament. Yeah, yeah, it's a good, it's a good. Um, always put fluorocarbon leader in your tackle boxes, everybody, mm. and also. You've got two different styles of fluorocarbon leader. You you've do. got uh, supple and you've got tough. That's it. <laughs> now, I'm, I like supple. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm a soft kind of guy when it comes to the, to the fluorocarbons. I don't like tough leader. I like the supple. And the reason for that is it's easier to tie. Mm-hmm. Okay, It doesn't leave a, a big heavy-duty knot. And it just allows a little bit more freedom for that bait to move around rather than being attached to something that's quite rigid. That's right, yes. Such as the touch, the I, tough truss. I would agree with you on, on that. I like the suppleness Supple's of good. the supple. But your tough trace is awesome if you're casting, like, say, poppers for GTs or wahoo or mackerel that's and it. you need that little bit extra, you know, um, heaviness attached to your lure to give it that directness when that you are pulling flight. your rod back and, the, and of course, the retrieve, uh, which would be another podcast down the track all about okay. leaders, I'm sure. Uh, yeah, we'll leave that one. Um, that's a whole different dimension. Um, so we've gone into the the, um, the size of the reel, I guess, is something now, depending on what size hooks and what size fish you're targeting. If you're going yeah. for, a, say, a jewfish or a mulloway, whatever you want to call them, you're dropping down a prawn, you know, it's a decent size, mm-hmm. You're going to run, say, six to eight kilo, you know, line. You're not really going to run a 2,500 size reel. No, I'd be looking at something like around the 5,000. Correct. In that somewhere. Yeah, so like a Stratic or a Sedona, you know, anything like that would work very well. Yes. Uh, it's, it's a fantastic size reel. And that means you'd go up to, like you said, around that four to six kilo or six to yeah, eight kilo that's of it, rod. Yeah. And the rods these days are really good because they, uh, you know, they're lightweight. Mm. The carbon fiber blanks, the majority of them. Uh, they can have a really good you know, X-wrap effect on them. So they're, they're super, super, super light. Really nice uh, fulcrum movement. And what that means, everyone, is the tip has got a lot of flexible flexibility and then it comes down to thickness of the blank where all of that energy is pushed into. Yeah, That's and it. then you've yep. got the base for the leverage to pull back. So it's sort of like a, 
I don't know, it's, it's like a bit of, you know, it's not like cane, it's just the rod. You know, cane will bend all the way to the butt, the old Rangoon so, cane. Yeah. So rod, rods, you know, make sure you've got the rod that suits the line class, um, that suits the fish that you're targeting. That's it, yeah. Otherwise, you're not going to have any pulling power. That's it, yeah. Mate, keeping, keeping things alive, aerators... I mean, that's an important one. Very important. Always have an aerator for your liveies. Um, if you don't have a live bait tank and uh, flushing the water through, have an aerator and just change your water in the in your tank. Yeah. Um, probably once every, not the whole thing, just a, a third of it. Yeah. Once an hour. Once an hour? Yeah, once an hour, because that aeration will yeah. keep it going. Yeah. Um, and then just to add a bit more oxygen into the water. Right. And get the um, impurities yeah. out of the water. Yeah. Just add another bucket. We'll take a bucket out, put a bucket in, yeah. about once an hour. Once an hour. And, you know, um, if you don't have, uh, let's say, a live bait container or, or an aerator, is a little trick for people out there is to use a cauliflower box, polystyrofoam. Yes. I used to do that right. when I was a kid, okay? Um, didn't have a lot back then, but what we did do is we, we made use of what, what would we work instead of. Um, and I found that polystyrofoam boxes held air bubbles trapped around the actual styrofoam within the water. Therefore, it gave more oxygen to the fish to keep them alive for a longer time. So if we were going from one spot A to B, and you couldn't cast cast nets over in New South Wales. So from Queensland, we would polystyrofoam box up our diver whiting or herring or whatever, and I would actually then put um, some, like a little bit of ice in there. And the ice would cool down the water to slow down the metabolism of the creature, of the fish. Very good. And then when you drive from A to B, you get down there, you know, you'd change the water when you got there, but it, it allowed things to stay alive for a lot longer. So that's just a little hack mm. for people out there. Very good you know, one to too. try that one there. So I like it's, a, that one. it's a really good one. But yeah, if you have a put water in the box, have a look around the rim on the inside, and you'll see all the little air bubbles trapped. Okay. There. Anyway, yeah, yeah so it's a good one. There you go. Otherwise, go to Anaconda and buy yourself an aerator, everyone. <laughs> okay. So and batteries and batteries. <laughs> Always and batteries. have a spare set of batteries with you to make sure that's uh, that's that's the way it should be. Otherwise, you'll uh, have a flat aerator with not pumping any air into a bucket. Mate, the tide changes. I know yep. we discussed this before. Um, should you change the weight of your sinker depending on what the current's doing? Yes, always. You're always thinking and always moving your baits around. So if the current's moving quite fast, you're going to need a little bit heavier mm. to keep it down. Mm. And as the current slows... Take that lead off and put a, a, a smaller split shot on even. Something yeah. like that. If you've got to keep moving it. If you don't, you anchor it, end up anchoring it to the bottom when there's a slack tide. Yeah. And the flathead, tailor, whatever it is, just looks at it and go, why aren't you yeah. moving away? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't right. want you. They get you a little, yeah. You've got to trigger it. You have to trigger that attack yeah. or eating mode in the fish. It's different when you have a, an attack or a reaction bite. An attack bite is they'll just come and just smash it regardless it, of what yes. it's doing. And yeah, they're, they're hungry. A reaction bite is when you um, basically you're peeing off the fish. All right, that's and it. that's if you're casting a lure <laughs> or anything like that. You're just banging it into its home, bang, bang, bang. And most lures these days have rattles, unless it's a soft plastic or anything like that. Although some of those do these days too. But um, it, the more you just keep, it's like someone trying to wake you up at five a.m. after a big night out <laughs> fishing, it. and they're like, "Wake up, wake up!" And you're like, oh, and at the end there, you're, you're just like, "Go away," you know. And it's the same <laughs> as a fish is if you keep pegging that lure in front of his face, he's going to get angry and he'll swipe at it. Not because he's hungry, it's because he's, he's annoyed. annoyed. So That's that it, becomes yeah. a reaction bite. So I know when we're whiting fishing, uh, everybody out there, is that you know we'll change our sinkers up to five or six times in a single tide change. 
easy to, to do what you're saying. Yeah. And, and up to a, a size four ball sinker maybe, um, where that's when the tide's running, cast your line out to the side, let it drift around. That's it, yeah. You know, so you're still touching the, the deck, the bottom. It's still moving. Mm. It's got a movement in the bottom. Mm. Uh, the rolling ball sinkers over the bottom, causing yeah. little puffs of sand or dirt yeah. coming up, moving leaves. So it looks like more prawns or yeah. more bait fish around. Yep, and that's, that's right. And obviously when the current slows down, you back your weight off all the that's way it. down to yeah. a, a double zero, which is very similar size to your size two split shot sinker. Mm. Uh, which is a, a cool thing to use as well. Um, when you are joining your monofilament leader to your braid, um, I'm a big fan of the double uni knot. Um, right. I can tie with my eyes closed. Nighttime, it's easy. You do it by feel. Um, other things like your, you know, your, your FG knots and all that sort of stuff there. Yep. Uh, you know, I, I'm not. I, I really can't tie an FG too well. I'm going to be honest with you. I know some good mates can, uh, but mate, you know, is that what's your favourite knot to join? Uh, I, I, my favourite knot would be FG. Yeah, okay. <laughs> a lot of the time. Yes, um, but it really depends on what I'm doing at the time. Right. I mean, I don't need an FG no. to tie for whiting fishing. From no. tying my braid to my mono, when I can use a swivel to do the same thing. Cool. So if you're using live bait, yeah. you don't want twist. No. Okay, so in my opinion, put a swivel. Tie a swivel to your braid first. Yep. And then and just a, a normal blood knot yep. will do the same thing. That's true. And then the same with your mono, or you're not, sorry, not your mono, your leader yep. to your Hook swivel. Or to your swivel. And yeah, then okay. that's your pivot point. But lock it. Always lock it. If oh, you're doing yes. a blood L- knot, lock, lock it, it for heaven's sakes. If <laughs> yes, you do sorry. four or five <laughs> twists... And you hook onto something dis, uh, decent. When you pull it in, and if you've lost it, always look at the end of your line. If it looks like a little pigtail, I don't know about you guys. I've had hundreds of them over my lifetime. Um, so you know, you gotta always lock it. If you lock it, so you do your your line through the actual uh, ring of the swivel or the hook. Uh, you go up. You then wrap around, say half a dozen times, and then take the tag end back through it. Absolutely. And then pull it tight that's and it. make sure you lubricate. Just put a bit of spit on it. That's yeah. enough. Um, but I like using the uni knot on the hooks there because okay, yeah, yeah. It, it, you don't have to go straight down to the hook. It leaves a gap, a, a bit of a loop there for the actual uh, hook to swing around on the fluoride carpet. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I see what you mean. I actually like um, using a blood knot. Do you? Right down the hook? <laughs> right on the hook, right, No, yeah, I like, the, I like I the freedom of the movement. That's uh, you know, fair. It, there Everyone's you go. Different. Everyone's different. Everyone's a- different. A- absolutely. Okay, so we've done into the gear. We've gone to, we've caught our baits. Mm-hmm. You know, now the bite. Right. When, <laughs> when do you strike? I remember, I'll tell you a story, a quick one. When I was a kid, I always wanted to catch a jewfish, right, a mulloway. And I hadn't caught one at this stage. And I was using live mullet. And then I was listening to so many people. And I was only a young tacker. And they would say, you've got to let it run. Let it run. And I'd let it run. I'd go out there and I'd fish around a school of mullet. They'd be busted up by jewies. I'd throw a mullet out and I'd feel the run and I'd let it run. And it would stop. And I'd lose my jewfish. I'm thinking, what the hell? And then other times I would strike it straight away and I'd lose my jewfish. I never got a jewie until an old timer turned around and said to me, he goes, Paul, what you need to do is feel the weight of the fish when he picks it up and runs feel the weight don't feel like he's just grabbed it and he's still playing with it in his mouth but feel for him to actually grab it and as he takes off you're feeling that solid weight through the line coming off your reel not sort of clickety clackety clickety clackety because he's still you know 
moving the bait in his yeah. mouth and, and that's mm. you know, coming back up through the rod to your fingers. You can feel it. And, of course, at the very first beginning when they just strike and run, initially don't strike them because, you know, you need to get that, that fish down, that down, down that's its right. gullet. Yeah. So I did. I started to feel the weight. Is this something that you should do when you are using live prawns, you know, or do you wait for the second bite? What, what do you think? Me? I actually wait for that weight to come on and it all depends on the hook sorry we'll go back to a little bit of the gear yeah um if you're using a normal j hook then you have to actually strike that fish yeah um that's what a j hook does you have to strike it but with the way hooks are these days you go straight to your circle hooks um circle hooks you don't have to strike no you just hold it in gear a little bit or a bit stronger yeah and as they run they hook themselves yeah so when it comes down to actually hooking the fish, as yep. you say, yes, if you use, depending on the um, gear you're using, yep. if you actually let it run, if, just hold that line in your fingers and feel that weight. Yep. And then as he's moving away, give him maybe one or two seconds because that's yeah. really all it needs. It's already yeah. down there. He's got it yeah. in his mouth. Mm. Then just lift your rod. Mm. Don't have to yank on it. Just lift your rod and a sharp um, laser, chemically sharpened hook. Yep. Go straight in, Absolutely. and we've all done it to sharp. our fingers. Oh yeah, <laughs> fingers, hook, back, chest, legs, foot, ear. <laughs> I mean, yes. Yeah, it happens a lot. Um, I guess if you're going out there and you're you're running, you know, the, those chemically sharpened hooks, mm-hmm. whether it's a circle hook or an octopus hook or a J hook, whatever, mm. is that you've got to still allow the fish to bite it. So J hook, you're saying, yes. bite, bite, so strike. You have to strike him on the bite? You have to strike when he's moving away with that with in his bait. mouth. Yeah, okay, cool. It, where it's the same as a circle hook. They actually got it in the mouth and they move away. You tighten the line up. They hook themselves because the circle goes into the corner of the mouth. Correct. Pretty much. Yeah. Whereas a J-hook will get them in the lip or wherever yeah. because you're actually just lifting the rod up. Right. Now, as you lift the rod up, it's going to go into yep. the top nine times out of time yep. in yep. the top of the mouth. I know when we're fishing for kingfish, I'm sort of not digressing, but just giving people an example here. So if we're fishing for kingies or jewies or anything like that or amberjack out at sea, is we'll put the sinker right on the deck on the bottom uh, and then you'll come up to a three-way swivel, uh, maybe four, five feet off the bottom of that sinker. Mm-hmm. And then off your three-way swivel, you have a longer leader. It could be eight foot long. Mm. That goes to a single tuna circle hook. And then above that, uh, three-way swivel goes up to your braided line to your rod so you've got this offshoot of a leader that sits about five foot off the off the bottom but it's eight foot long and that live bait can just swing around freely but when you get the bite is you and it's hard to resist you can't strike it no <laughs> so you let the you watch your rod tip you feel the weight because you've got to think if you're striking you're lifting the sinker off the deck but you've still got that freedom of you know eight foot of <laughs> leader yeah, going to yes, the bait, right? right yes. So having that tuna circle do its job, what you're saying, is let the rod load up, and all you have to do is just start to slowly wind, and when the rod loads right up there, just give it that slight little little lift back and continue to the that's wind, it, yeah. and that sets the hook. You can use that method yeah. with every other fish, I reckon. Yeah, wow. It's the same thing as changing for whiting, chasing whiting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. the same. It's all um, even flathead with live baits. Yep, exactly the same. It's just waiting for that weight to be loaded up. Yep, and then lift the rod, and it, and you do strike with everything. Yes, I mean 
I even find it hard not to strike straight yes. away. Yeah. Really hard. Yeah. And I miss so many fish and teaching that to people who, um, especially nighttime, yeah. when you can't see your rod, yeah. you actually have to feel it and yeah. hear it yeah. and then lift. Correct. I, can I just say a story? I had a mate. Yep. He never caught a jew in his life. Yep. Now, we were using um, live baits. Yep. Um, same thing, uh, but we were using yakkers at the time. Right. So we had them on the bottom in a reef area. Yep. Hmm. I'm not going to say where. No. Um, little cul-de-sac area. Yep. Uh, and within 20 minutes we were there, hmm. he, his rod loaded up. Hmm. Now, I always say fish light. Yep. Now, and that might mean fish light in your drag. Right, yeah, As of well, that's... Yeah. Something yep. we all say, um, yep. and letting the Jew run. Yep. Now, he listened to me, and I said, never caught a fish before yep. in, in the Jewies. He um, let it run. Yep. It ran, but he had it too loose, the drag. Yeah, right, okay, okay. <laughs> Which is my fault, because yeah. I didn't test it for him. Yeah. Um, now, we do say when you go out fishing, test your drags and make sure it's your, your braking strain, one third of your braking strain and all that. Correct. But sometimes you do have to loosen it off and let them run a bit, because yeah. you don't want that full-on strike no. straight away. Especially with an egg beater or a spinning yes. reel, because you, you, you have to... It's different with an overhead, because you can control it all in your hand. With a spinning reel, you've got the bail arm open, Unless you're using a bait runner. Oh, that's different. Yeah, yes. that is different. So did he end up getting fish? He did. Yeah, okay, 10.2 cool. kilo Sweet. Jew. What a beautiful fish. Like 22, 23 pounder. That's Some a monster. Are, yeah, 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 absolutely. Oh, Good on him. Yeah, he was lucky. I couldn't yeah. take the smile off his yeah. face and I copped it all night after that because I didn't catch a fish. <laughs> oh, joint effort, mate. Joint effort. But that's the same thing. Yeah. He let it run. Yep. Yeah, maybe in a loose drag, but he ended up... Picking the right, uh, line up in his fingers, yep. feeling the weight more, yeah. able to tighten that drag up and then yep. lift the rod up. And hook the fish. And, yeah, because it had already run and then he's lifted and it's striked. Yeah, okay, cool. So, yeah. Well, that's, that's all, well it's, it's what it's all about, everybody. If you are going out there and you're going to use live bait, in this case, banana prawns, what banana we prawns, use on the yes. show, or greasy prawns if you're over the border, you don't really get banana prawns down there. You, might, you know what? If you do... Well done, but I think it's mostly greasies or river prawns, particularly Rivers, around yeah. the Mile Lakes, uh, you know, central coast of uh, of New South Wales. Fantastic for prawning there, and also mm. further south into Victoria. So, if you are using your prawns, try using the right weighted rod and reel and line class to suit the yeah. fish you're targeting. Uh, make sure you try and use a circle hook. And hook the bait from underneath to go out through the top. That's it. Same as what you would with a soft plastic. With a lure, yep. Uh, make sure that you're running enough fluorocarbon leader there to stop any abrasion if it does go into the reef. That's it. Give the fish slack. Change the weight to suit the current. All right, these are all the tips for everybody to do. And, of course, when you do strike up, make sure you've got the weight of the fish on there before, before you hit Before you strike, yes. And, uh, and I think you'll be home and hose. Mate, I, I reckon, reckon we've covered off pretty much everything of what to help people yes. when they are going live baiting using prawns in their neck of the woods. Can I just ask, what sort of cast net would you be using, mono or nylon? Okay, I like uh, nylon for everyone out there is like cotton. Uh, monofilament is obviously fishing line. That's it. I, I use fishing line, um, the monofilament cast net, okay? And the reason for that is because it doesn't hold the water. Uh, cotton nets or nylon nets hold the water. They soak it in, it becomes sticky. And what that means is because it's so heavy with water, it doesn't spread out. Monofilament, you give it a shake and it's dry as a bone. 
and therefore it becomes a bit more springy. Okay, so therefore when you're casting, it spreads out evenly. Whereas the nylon one, you get wet. I don't like getting wet. My uh, <laughs> no. I cast standing, I used to do the shoulder, and then I moved down to the elbow, and now I just cast with my hand. So, you know, away you go. Yeah, but um, look at the size of your hands. Yeah, I know. But yeah, well, no, it makes big fish look little. But... I would go the, the monofilament. So yeah. that's the uh, the cast net of choice. Okay, thank you. And there are rules and regulations. So make yeah, sure make you check with your local uh, rules and regulations in your local states because everyone yeah. differs for some crazy reason. I don't know why, uh, but it is what it is. So make sure you check it out. And your maximum diameter for Queensland when you are casting a cast net is six metres. Uh, and there are different size uh mesh that you can get so make sure you again if you're importing a net from overseas for some reason from make china sure or whatever rules. is make sure that you check the rules before you bring it in because if you get caught it can cost you a lot of money that's it for today's podcast everybody hope you've enjoyed it and uh stay safe and well and of course uh, we are at the sydney international boat show and if you're listening to this podcast a little later down the track then uh that was being held at the end of july into the start of august and uh, i'll tell you what when it does come around later in the next couple of years uh come and check it out it certainly is a lot of fun shane thanks for your time this morning mate thank you very much for having me no worries and of course you can check out more step outside on the seven plus uh apple website just type in step outside with paul burton you'll find the whole last four and a half seasons right at your fingertips or of course we drop a new app every sunday followed up with an encore the following saturday and of course repeats a step outside monday to friday we've got your seven days a week covered thanks for listening once again take it easy and good fishing.